One of the things I think I love most about Calvary Church is that we don't do ministry alone. Believe it or not, but from the very south of the state in Metropolis all the way to the north up in Rockford, we are connected to dozens and dozens and dozens of churches. And so today to help with our Turn the Page series as we're talking about Pastor Jim and our church's next chapter of ministry life, we have our district superintendent who helps oversee all those dozens and dozens and dozens of churches here today to share with us, Pastor Phil Schneider. So will you guys welcome him this morning? Thanks, Pastor Chris. Man, it is a great privilege for me to be here. Uh, as Pastor Chris said, uh, you're part of uh, 300 churches across the state of Illinois, 970 preachers, uh, pastors, ministers, uh, people who are credentialed with the Assemblies of God. So it is a great joy for me to be here with you today and with my wife. It's her birthday today. She's 32 again. And uh, so, 32 for the third time. She was 31 for eight years. Uh, no, it is a great joy for us to be here. Uh, sometimes when you, you have somebody that you've never heard speak before, it's like, oh, are they any good? No, no, not really. So let me just tell you a couple of things about myself that will at least make you uh, go, oh, Okay. Um, I am a licensed auctioneer, and uh, I, I am, I'm really pretty good. Uh, who'll give me one? Who'll give me one? Okay, $1,000 right there. I got $1,000. I always, the first thing I sell, I always make a lot of money on. And uh, so I'm a licensed auctioneer. I was. We just, uh, just let our license expire. Uh, how many of you ever watch HGTV with flip this house, flip that house, da 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 Renee and I have been flipping houses for almost 30 years, and uh, so we've been in the house flipping business for that time. I got it naturally. When, as a kid, uh, I lived in 14 different houses that I can remember in my first 18 years. Uh, when we got heat or air conditioning, my dad always converted the attic into a bedroom where he stuck his son. And when we got heat and air conditioning in my bedroom, I knew we were getting ready to move. And uh, so Renee and I had been flipping houses for almost 30 years. Uh, I was struck by lightning. Can you believe? Absolutely true. I was struck by lightning. I was in the hospital for three days. Our church was having special revival services the morning that I got hit. And uh, no, I actually was hit by lightning. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, here's what happens. Uh, you, you die, or you don't die, or you die three days later. So we'd like to put you in the hospital to see what happens. And, uh, man, I was really pulling for number two. Uh, I did youth camp for 30 years. If you've gone to youth camp at Lake Williamson uh, since 1980, uh, up until 2010, I was a part of youth camp for 30 years. And Renee and I have five kids we had five kids in six years. Yeah, nuts. <laughs> and uh, you say, what was that about? Our, our oldest son is a teacher. My second son is a pharmacist. My third son is a CFO. My fourth son is an engineer. Our daughter <laughs> is an attorney. So 
It was one of those kinds of things. And I thought five kids in six years was bad. We now have seven grandchildren under the age of five. And, and we have an eighth grandchild who's eight years old, and she's the instigator of the other seven. And so all of our grandkids were over the other night, and uh, so after about 10 minutes, I went into my room and prayed. <laughs> Lord, help this TV remote to work. <laughs> and uh, just do our best there. But So that's just a little bit about Renee and myself, and uh, so, but it really is a privilege to be here with you today. About 99.9% of the time when I preach, I'm preaching to individuals. I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm hoping that each one of us will hear the Word of God as an individual. But today, I want to speak to you not only as individuals, but as an entire body. I don't, I, I don't want to talk about transition in the sense of looking for a new pastor, but I want to talk about transition in all of our lives, this is more than a sermon. This is a family room chat. This is us sitting down together. Everyone experiences transition. Now, some of you, it'll be a little more difficult to remember than others, but some of you will remember what it was like going from elementary school to junior high. You know, all of a sudden, you went from, or to middle school, you went from being one of the oldest kids to now you're going to school with a bunch of teenagers, and then from middle school to high school. I mean, all of a sudden, you're, you're, you go to a, a school that has adults in it. I mean, those got juniors and seniors are 17 and 18, and they're, I mean, it's an incredible transition. And then I remember the transition when we got married. I mean, that was an, you know, I, I went from my mom and dad being my boss to <laughs> marriage. <laughs> Job change is a transition. I was a youth pastor for five years in the Peoria area, and uh, so, I mean, every day pastor had stuff for me to do, and then I became the pastor of the church in Litchfield, and uh, uh, on Tuesday morning about 10 o'clock, I'm like, well, I'm done. I don't know. What, what do I do now? I didn't have anything else to do. It was, a, it was a difficult experience. It was transition, and we all have huge transitions in life. Empty nest is a transition. Can you imagine? Yeah, so going, yes! Uh, can you imagine going from five teenagers at once to four kids in college all at one time to all of them being gone and you moving as fast as you can so they can't find you to come back home? <laughs> Empty nest is a transition. Retirement is a transition. I, uh, this last year, I took, off, I took off two weeks of vacation in a row to just stay home. And Renee's been praying ever since, God, don't let him retire. <laughs> Here are some quick lessons that you'll see from today's sermon. Some transitions you see coming and you can plan for, but some transitions are total surprises. The transition hits you and you never expected it. You, there's the announcement at work that the company is shutting down. You get a letter from the Internal Revenue Service that says, Dear friends, you get a phone call from the doctor's office that says, We would like you to come back in to talk about your test results. Some transitions you see coming and some are total surprises. Only God knows all of the transitions that you will face in life. So that's why you have to stay close to God, because God knows what's coming next in your life. And I want you to know God will prepare you 
with a plan for every transition, even those that you don't see coming. God has a way to take care of you, even in the difficult transitions of life. In these transitions, we're going to take a look at with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah saw the transition coming because he had a direct order from God, but Elisha never saw it coming. But God knew. Number two, you have to live prepared for transitions now. You won't always have the time to fix things. Elisha said to Elijah, I want to go home and, and, and take care of my family before I come and follow you and with this call of God on my life. And Elijah says to him, you don't have the time. Decide now. Transitions are sometimes events that happen to us that leave us no opportunity to prepare. Transitions, number three, usually have a definite moment but the process before and after are rarely defined. The moment that Elisha became the prophet is that moment when Elijah walks by and he throws his coat on Elisha. And in that moment, that symbol, that was a symbolic act, and Elisha understood exactly what he was saying. I want you to come and follow me. I want you to be Israel's next prophet. But it took four years. We don't realize that, but it took four years before Elisha finally became the prophet to Israel. We think of transitions as having a, it happened that moment, it happened at that time, but transitions are spread out a lot further than that. My dad died at the age of 52. My dad was a diabetic, a severe diabetic, probably a juvenile diabetic, but was never diagnosed. Died at the age of 52. And the decline in his physical health was so gradual that there was never a moment where you could say, oh, the transition is happening. And that moment when my dad passed away, my dad passed away on July the 4th. It was his Independence Day. He'd been in a coma for 21 days, and he woke up, and he said to his sister, Shelby, what are you doing here? And Shelby said, well, Philip, I came to see you. And he said, I'm glad you did because I'm going to glory today. And in about 15 minutes, my dad slipped back into a coma, and within hours, this 21-day coma that he had been in ended in that day. But the grief over his passing took an extended period of time. You see, transitions are not things that happen in a moment. It's that experience that we can define it as a moment, but it has long-lasting effects in our life. And so it will be with this church. There will come a moment when we will look at it and we will say about Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim retired on that day, but the transition is long before and long after. And in the transitions of your life, there are moments when we can say that's when it happened, but the effects are much longer, much deeper, much broader. When I was invited, when Pastor uh, Jim and Pastor Chris wrote me and asked me to come and speak, on transition, and they assigned me the topic of Elijah and Elisha. I believe it was a God assignment. I'm not here today by happenstance, by the luck of the calendar. It's because this passage is one of the most important passages of my life. I can tell you eight times in my life when God spoke to me. I can give you eight times the year before my dad passed away, 
It was in July. It was the week of junior high camp. It was a Thursday night. I was just outside the auditorium at Lake Williamson. And God said to me, your dad is ready to give his life to Christ. Don't go home tomorrow. Go to Peoria and witness to your dad, and he will give his life to Christ. It was a moment that I knew that it was God speaking to me. I called Renee, and I said, "Hun, I, I, I can't come home in the morning. I'm going to Peoria. My dad's going to give his life to Christ. I went and I saw my dad that, that, that afternoon when I got there, and we talked for about four or five moments. You know, it was just, you know, and it was just something within inside of me. It's like bursting forth. And in that moment, I said, Dad, when are you going to give your life to Christ? And that moment of silence, you could see eternity being weighed in the balance. And he said, well, I always thought your mom would be here. I said, you want me to go get her? He said, yeah, go get your mom. God spoke to me. God spoke to me in this passage. Let's read this passage, if we can, together. It's from 1 Kings chapter 19. Let me set the story for you, if I can. Elijah is the servant of the Lord. He's at the height, the pinnacle of his ministry experience. He has called fire down from heaven. He has prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He has prayed again, and it began to rain. He has broken the back of Baal worship in the nation of Israel. I mean, he is at the absolute pinnacle, but he is physically and emotionally exhausted. And God, he goes away into the wilderness, and God speaks to him in this place. At the end of this conversation, verse 15, the Lord said to him, Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel, king over Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall you anoint king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Saphath, of Abel-Meloah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. If you skip down to verse 19, it says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Saphath, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak, threw his coat, his mantle across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back. But think about what I have done to you. In the Septuagint, it reads this way, Go ahead, because I am done with you. So Elisha returned to his oxen, and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Seven years ago, Last month, I became the Illinois District Superintendent. I became the bishop. I also became the upstairs janitor, so don't be impressed with the title. It was at that time in my life when I was at the most comfortable place that I had been in in my life. We had just built a brand new 56,000 square foot church building. It had, we were just literally a couple of weeks away from finishing it. The building was 
we had paid for five-sevenths of the building. Renee had just finished five years of treatment for her breast cancer. Our last two kids had just finished their bachelor's degree the week before. I was working out with a physical trainer doing CrossFit four days a week, an hour a day. I was in the best shape of my life. We had just finished the last of remodeling of our home. It was a great time for me. I was incredibly comfortable. But God, if you look at those same things, God was aligning my life for a, a transition in my life. Renee had just finished her fifth year of treatment for breast cancer. My last two kids had just graduated from college and were on their own. I'd been working out with a physical trainer for a year, four days a week. I was in great shape, and we had just finished remodeling our home. What I believed was comfort or God's blessing upon me was really God preparing me for a new moment, a new transition in my life. We went to our annual statewide meeting of of the, of the 300 churches, and at that meeting, I was elected to be the district superintendent. I was sitting right there. I was in the third row, the second seat in, and, and if you've ever been to church elections, you can tell which way things are going. And in the third election, I just knew I was going to be elected, and I turned to Renee, and I said, baby, I'm sorry, and she just went. <laughs> Transition was a difficult moment. Tuesday night, that was Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, I was sitting on the platform, it was our ordination service, and I'm sitting on the, the front row on the, on the stage, and I looked out, and in the back were three guys who had been working with me from about three or four years to about 12 or 13 years, and they looked like they had just lost their best friend. And I began to cry. My crying turned into ugly sobbing on the front row. And in that moment, God brought this passage to my mind. And God said to me these words. Stop. It was in a harsh tone. Stop crying. Go home and kill the oxen. Or I will say to you, I am done with you. It's in that moment where I was faced with this question of what God was going to do in my life in the next stages, the next days of my life. And every one of us have those next stage moments of our life where we have to say, God, is this what you want for me? God, is this your plan for me? Is this job change? Is this family change? Is, is this situation, God, are you going to be with me? And there are times when God says to us, get on with it and do what I've told you to do and quit crying. How many of you have ever said to your kids, you quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about? <laughs> my heavenly father, my father of love and grace and mercy said, quit crying. Go home, kill the oxen, or I am done with you. Transitions are something all of us face. Here's some things I want you to know about this passage. Transitions are always uncomfortable. 
Transitions are always uncomfortable. I don't care if it's a good transition or a bad transition. They're all uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for me, for my wife, for my family, for the church, and it wasn't comfortable for Elijah or Elisha. Transition is difficult on everybody. We celebrate with Pastor Jim the opportunity to retire. I am jealous. (laughs) But transition will make all of us uncomfortable. Transition will not be easy, even when we celebrate. Elijah is exhausted. And and in fact, he's tried, if you will, to commit suicide by God. God, take my life. I can't do it anymore. And in this place, God said to him, I'm going to call somebody to take your role, to transition along with you. I'm going to bring you a partner. Elijah's exhausted, but he's at the pinnacle of his ministry. He's operating at the highest levels of spiritual authority. And Elisha is enjoying his role. You know, I I remember when I was the youth pastor, the associate pastor at this church in in East Peoria, we're running about 400 people. And I mean, it was a a great church. And I, I tell you, I just got to hang with teenagers all day. It was, it was the best job in the world. When troubles arose or difficulty, it was just like, hey, hang on, I'll get the pastor for you. <laughs> Elijah's enjoying that role. Few responsibilities, lots of monies, and now he's transitioning into a ministry that he knows nothing about, and he doesn't want to sell out. He wants to keep some comfort in reserve, and he says, let me go home and make sure this is okay with mom and dad. People who choose comfort, who want to live in the way that is comfortable, will always become the most miserable of people. I could have said, man, I don't want my kids to leave home. I could have said to my kids, well, don't have grandchildren. That's difficult. That's tough. I could have said, to those who elected me, no, 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 I'm far too comfortable with where I'm at. But people who decide to stay in their comfort will become the most miserable of people. Take a risk. Believe God's going to do something. What does that say to Calvary Church personally and corporately? Transition means that things will change, and it will cost you the temporary comfort of what you have known. It's the fear of the unknown. There's some excitement for the future, but how will it change and how will transition affect that? We have to be ready to say, as that old, old gospel song says, where you lead, I will follow. As Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Because if you're living in transition close to Jesus, he knows what's coming and he's going to take care of you. God already has a new leader chosen. Elijah went and found Elisha. Elijah, God is speaking to him and says, go get Elisha. We have no idea that he's ever spoke to Elisha and said, hey, by the way, there's a guy coming. Go follow him. God has already chosen a new leader for Calvary Church. One year ago, two years ago, five years ago, God already had that plan in mind. 
We're tempted to ask, why remove Elijah when he's at the pinnacle of his ministry? Why would the Lord lead Pastor Jim to retire? You can't leave! But the Lord knew that new kings were coming. Go anoint Jehu. Go anoint Haziel. New kings were coming, and fresh strength was needed. God called the old to go and anoint the new. I love this. God could have called Elisha himself, but he sent Elijah to do it. He anoint him to be prophet in your place. And Elijah goes and embraces the new. He anoints the new. I've, I've been in three pastorates, if you will. I was the pastor at Litchfield. I was the pastor down in a St. Louis suburb, and now I've been the district pastor. In two of those threes, I followed people who embraced me and anointed me. The second church I was at in Bethalto, the pastor's name was Maurice Bergen. He had been the pastor there for 37 years. And I was a 30-year-old guy. I, I wasn't even born when this guy became the pastor there. But in his first weeks, he stood before the congregation and said, this is my pastor. This is the man of God. Don't call me when you are in the hospital or when you have it. You call the man of God. This is the pastor. His anointing and embracing of me allowed me to follow him. Larry Griswold is one of the, the absolute smartest men I know, one of the, a, a leader of absolute integrity. And Brother Griswold, the day that I was elected, said to all of the uh, a thousand ministers of the Illinois district, Phil Snyder is our superintendent. Phil Snyder is my superintendent. What he, where he leads us, I will follow and I will embrace. And he anointed me to be that. You see, so many times in the middle of transition, we don't realize the value of the old embracing the new. And saying, man, I, I'm going to anoint that. God sent Elijah to anoint and embrace the new. So what does that say to Calvary Church? The uncomfortable moments of a new leader will need to be recognized and embraced by the elders and leaders for long-term health. Elijah's anointing of Elisha left no question for the school of prophets as to who God had chosen. That's why it's important. So what happens when transition works right? What happens when transition works right? Well, first off, realize this. We serve a God who says, I will do a new thing. We serve a God who says, sing a new song. We serve a God who said, I will work in new and mysterious ways. I will do a thing that you would not believe it even if I told you. The same God has already chosen the next man or woman to lead this church. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. When transition is done right, it took four years for the miracles to begin to flow through Elisha. Four years for that to happen. Transition does not, does, never means immediate success. 
But what was promised or prophesied in the old with, with Elijah was fulfilled in the new with Elisha. If you read the passage and you take note, God gave Elijah three assignments. You go anoint Hazael, you go anoint Jehu, you go and anoint Elisha. And he goes and anoints Elisha. But Elijah never has connection with Hazael and Jehu. Who is it that goes and anoints them? It's Elisha. The things that God has promised this church throughout the decades can be fulfilled because God's calling and transitioning to a new leader. The things that God has promised us, the, the, the prophecy, the promise, the probability of this church, its future can be greater than its past because God is doing a new thing. Doing a new thing does not mean the old thing is bad. The old thing was perfect for its time, but there are new kings rising and a new day coming. When transition is done right, incredible things occur. The new brought a double portion out of the old. It wasn't the same, but it was twice as good. If you go through, most of us who've been in church all of our life will know the the story that the miracles that occurred through Elisha are twice as many as the miracles that occurred through Elijah. Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's blessing. You see, when God is getting ready to do something new in this church, it's never because the old was wrong, but because the new is God's next step in the plan. Renee and I, we have eight grandchildren, seven of them under five, and two of our kids haven't even started yet. I'm praying for 15. I'm praying for 15 grandchildren, and when they all hit 12 years old, I'm going to introduce myself to them. <laughs> you know, when they're, when they're four and five, you can say to them, shut up or I'm going to kill you, and they're like, Poppy! <laughs> But when they're 12, they begin to wonder, you know, this grumpy old dude just may do that. <laughs> I'm praying for 15. Why? You say, why is that? Because I only had five. I'm praying for a triple portion of blessing. Does that mean that my five were bad? No, my, I got the greatest kids in the face of the earth. But I'm praying that the next generation will be two and three times greater than what the last generation was. You see, when God transitions you in your life, it's uncomfortable. And it may be difficult at times, but that's okay. Because God's already got a plan for you. Maybe it's the death of a, of a father, or the death of a spouse, or the death of a child. You see, how can God... Use that transition of pain. Joseph said it this way, what the enemy meant for evil, God has turned to my good. And I want you to know today, friends, whatever transition you may be in, if you will trust God and stay close to God, God has a future for you that you cannot believe. 
Do we sorrow when transition comes our way? Why couldn't it have been this way? But God has something so much better for you. It's not that the old was wrong or the old was bad. The old was great and to be celebrated. You couldn't have the new without the old. But in transition, God says, but wait till you see what I'm going to do next. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and to bless you. My prayer for Calvary Church is that your latter days, no matter how wonderful your former days have been, that your latter days will be greater than anything you've ever imagined or believed God for. I'm believing that every promise of the past will come true in the next season of Calvary Church. Let me pray that for you. Father, I thank you for my friends today. And I just pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that your anointing and your blessing would be upon them. Some of us, Lord, are like Elijah. We know transition is coming. Others of us, Father, are like Elisha. We, we never see it coming. But in that same moment, we have to know that you are there with us. You're going to take care of us. Father, some of us are, uh, are, are at a place where we realize that transition is uncomfortable. But that's okay, God, because you've got this. And you've got us in the palm of your hand. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Chris, come and share with us. Thank you so much, Pastor Phil.